You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. And it doesn't matter how much money you have in your pocket or in your bank account. It doesn't matter what your position is in life or your social register or the advantages that you've enjoyed growing up or your education. Those things really don't matter. Think about it. As a Christian, we have more to offer than anyone else. So therefore, don't be dazzled by the world, its wealth, man's accomplishments, and then just stand there mute when you have the opportunity to share Christ with someone. The world around us is pretty impressive, isn't it? But you should never let it distract you from what's really important, the world that comes afterwards. There isn't a single thing on our earth that will outdo God's kingdom. So why should we let earthly things distract us when we have so much more coming our way? In today's message, Pastor Mike says that we need to let nothing distract us from sharing that wonderful kingdom with everyone, no matter how important we think they are. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 47 as he continues his message, Jacob's Blessing. I want to draw your attention to a couple of things here. First of all, I want you to take notice how that Joseph is completely at ease and control of this whole situation that's going on here, that's being depicted for us here in this text of Scripture. Now, you would think that, you know, if we were in Joseph's shoes, I'm sure we would have been a little anxious about uh, this whole thing. Remember, Joseph loved his dad loved his brothers, wanted to see them sustained during the years of famine. Remember, again, the, the obstacles that he had to overcome. And uh, the, the Egyptians didn't want to initially have anything to do with the Hebrews because of uh, past experience. Uh, again, their occupation, being a shepherd, these were all things that had to be overcome. So placing ourselves in Joseph's shoes... I'm sure that we would have been a little anxious, a little apprehensive about uh, this occupation. But we don't see any of that as Joseph goes before Pharaoh. He's completely at ease in control of the situation here. Now, why was that? Well, we've addressed it in one of our previous studies. You see, Joseph knew that God had chosen him for this task and had given him spiritual and political wisdom to fulfill it. 
Remember a couple of weeks ago, leading up to this morning's text, when his brothers actually go down to Egypt for the first time uh, to purchase the food to bring back to the land of Canaan so that they might be sustained, Joseph disguises himself. He gives them a bad time, right? He suggests that they are spies that have come down to spy out the land, and he's just giving them a really bad time. And this was all a part of God's design. We Remember, we talked about this in one of our previous studies, bringing these brothers around to the place of repentance before God. But after he reveals himself to his brothers, who, what, 13, 14 years ago had sold him into slavery, their intention was to kill him. Uh, remember the great sibling rivalry that existed between Joseph and his brothers. He was favored by... Uh, their dad, uh, Jacob, above the other brothers. And so he, rather than killing him, he was sold into slavery. He was dealt with uh, treacherously by his brothers. And then after he reveals himself to his brothers, who's now standing before him, didn't realize that it was Joseph, because Joseph is, is dressed in the Egyptian garb and he's speaking through an interpreter. And, uh, but then finally reveals himself to his brothers of his true identity, they're thinking, lights out for us, man. This is it. We're going to get some final retribution here, and Joseph is going to take vengeance out upon us. But rather than discovering that, what do we find? Well, in chapter 45, let's go back there quickly. In verse 5, we read, And Joseph said to his brothers, who are just shaking in their boots now, Uh... Do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here into slavery. And then he concludes and says, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Do you see that there? You see, that's the reason why Joseph was confident in accomplishing this task of bringing his family down there in Egypt. You see, what a difference it makes when you know that God is with us, that God has been working behind the scenes, pushing all of the buttons, pulling all of the strings, orchestrating all of the details, and we can have that confidence, confidence for success. Whatever we put our hand to, our success is assured, that is, when God is with us. Whether it's ministry, you know, I remember when, we first came back here, it was like, oh my gosh, now, uh, almost 36 years ago. And when Pastor Greg Laurie first asked me to come back and, and plant the church and begin a ministry, and, you know, over those 35 years, we've had the opportunity and privilege to minister to literally thousands of people. Not only people who attend our services on a Thursday or a Sunday, but through our outreaches and other things that we've done, crusade ministries and the radio broadcasts and you know, just all of the things that we've done over the last 35 years. But I got to tell you something. I remember when I first came back here, and Greg wasn't with me at that time. Well, Greg, we were part of a team when I initially came back, and we, uh, we rented the Beacon Theater for two nights. And uh, Richie Fiore from Buffalo Springfield, who had a lot of success secularly in music, uh, was our featured musical guest artist, and then Greg spoke. And and uh, before Greg spoke, he, he would ask me to come out, and I kind of hosted the events. He'd introduce me, let people know what we were doing and what we were thinking about. We were going to plant a church in New York, and we started a Bible study 
both in New Jersey over at that time, which was the Sheridan and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. And then one of these uh, hotels, which since has become, it was on Park Avenue South. Uh, it's now become one of those uh, uh, hotels where they put up people who are, you know, don't have ho- like a homeless shelter. And, uh, and so we begin, you know, I begin teaching there on Thursday evenings, Tuesday nights over in New Jersey. And, uh, and we had some initially some good success. And so I'm thinking, you know what, this is looking pretty good. And I think that we, you know, we might be able to plant a church here in, in Manhattan. And so uh, Mike McIntosh, who at the time was the pastor of uh, Horizon Christian Fellowship in San Diego, California, uh, was in town. And uh, we were doing some things together. I think he was doing the Festival of Lights, or, and so we were working alongside of him. He was doing some outreaches and crusades and some street ministry. And uh, so it was at the point where we had to look for a facility. And we didn't know where to go. And I remember being with Mike, and Mike and I are walking around New York, and we're, you know, we're visiting different hotel ballrooms and other venues where we might be able to you know, rent some space to begin holding our Sunday morning uh, services. And I'm thinking to myself, no way this is going to happen. You know, how in the world are we going to plan a church you know, here in New York? We don't have any money. We don't really know anybody. We don't have any influence. There's no politicians at the time that we can contact for assistance in, in any of this. And, but you know what? God just was so faithful in just lining things up. You see, it was God, I know, who sent us. It's been 35 years, 36 years. And our, our congregations have changed over those years. We've had more people. We've had less people. We have more people. We have less people. A, extremely transient population, as you know, if you've been around for a while. But truly, over these last 35 years, we've had the opportunity and privilege to minister to thousands of people and really make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And many of the people who came through our ministry were discipled and are now uh, serving and pastoring churches that are large, quite larger than this one, you know, uh, more than a few. And so you can be sure that if God is with us, and, you know, looking back now with hindsight, with this wonderful track record, I can see God's hand in every, you know, step that we've taken, everything that we've done. And, uh, you know, from 56th Street to the theater on Broadway to our current location, and who knows where we're going to be next year. You know, God only knows. Maybe we'll be in heaven on Sunday mornings, Harvest Christian Fellowship. That would be cool. The only thing is don't expect me to be speaking in heaven because Jesus is going to be there. And, and uh, I'm sure that's going to be, quite, well, obviously, but, uh, but we're, we're assured of success when we know that God is with us. Success in ministry, success in business, success in family, raising your children, success in the marriage relationship as a spouse, as a husband or a wife. Now, so that's the reason, that, that's the secret to Joseph's success, his calmness, you see, and his at ease, and that sense of him being in control of everything that was going on. Why was that? Simply because he was assured that God was with him. Folks, don't go forward, don't do anything, don't take on some new project unless you're absolutely sure that God is with you. How do you know that? Well, just simply pray and ask God to be with you. And he'll let you know if he's with you or not. He'll give you the green light or the red light. You can be sure, you know. 
God is in the business of answering his people's prayers. So just why don't you just take some time out? Remember, we, this was one of the points that we talked about last time. So many people waste their time and all of their energy and their resources because they just haven't taken the time out to simply ask, God, are you with me? God, are you going before me? God, have you given me the green light? Or God, do you want me to just wait for a season? Do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? Do you want me to you know, uh, pick up and pull out of New York and move to the West Coast? God, do you want me to take that new position? Do you want me to you know, put in my, uh, you know, my intent to, to leave my present uh, place of employment and, and take this other job? Or, or should I get involved in this relationship with this person of the opposite sex? Lord, He'll answer those prayers if you just take the time out to ask him, folks. And so anyway, that was the reason why Joseph was successful in this occupation. Now, this is quite, let's go back to the picture that's actually being painted here for us. This is quite a picture in contrast. Think about it. What do we have here? We have a simple shepherd, an old Jewish wanderer. I'm referring to Jacob. Uh, like those the Egyptians despised versus the illustrious, glittering Pharaoh surrounded probably by a great entourage of people. His court, which would have included all of his princes, all of his princesses, all of his servants. So quite an impressive gathering. What splendor there was on Pharaoh's side of this encounter. And then all you have is Jacob standing there by himself. But here's what I want you to see. Jacob wasn't really impressed, was he? And certainly he's not intimidated. How do we know that? Because notice Jacob breaks out, launches off into blessing Pharaoh. And throw this into the mix. According to Egyptian theology, the reigning pharaoh was no mortal. He was actually considered the embodiment of the sun god, Ra. So maybe, if that was the case, it of course wasn't true, but as far as the Egyptians were concerned, maybe pharaoh should have been the one blessing Jacob in this meeting. But that's not the case. We find it to be the other way around. Listen, in spite of worldly appearances here, Jacob blessed Pharaoh, which shows him to be the greater of the two individuals. Remember in the book of Genesis, let me validate that claim. Remember in the book of Genesis in chapter 14, when this confederation of kings uh, goes into Sodom, and they just sack the city, and they just loot it. They take all of the valuables, all of the gold, all of the, anything that was valuable, uh, they just looted the city. Uh, they took many of the women and the children, and the one mistake that they made, for sure, was they also took Abraham's nephew, Lot, along with them. I guess they were going to hold them for ransom. And so news had come back to Abraham, and Abraham armed his 300 and, what was it, 18 men or something like that, who had been trained by Abraham. They were like special forces. They were like the Green Berets or, 
the Navy SEALs or, you know, they were an elite group of fighting men. And so Abraham, along with his uh, military, goes out against this confederation of kings, utterly defeat them. They're broken up into these different groups. They utterly defeat this confederation of kings. They take all of the loot back with them. Uh, Lot, all of the women, all of the children, all of these things are restored back to the king of Sodom. And so remember, the king of Sodom wanted to pay tribute unto Abraham, and he wanted to give him a tithe of everything that he had, or a, a portion of what he had brought back, what had been taken by this confederation of kings. But Abraham wouldn't have anything to do with that, because he knew that God was behind the success of that campaign. But then all of a sudden, in the middle of this whole picture that's being played out, this mysterious figure appears, whom we are simply told, and, and prior to this, there's no mention of him anywhere in the Old Testament, this fellow whose name is Melchizedek. And he's the priest of the, of the Most High God. And uh, interesting, and I, I personally believe that this was a theophanies. This, this is actually an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. And Melchizedek appears upon the scene, and Melchizedek, this individual who comes out of nowhere, uh, out of obscurity, and he blesses Abraham. And remember, at this time, Abraham had flocks and men servants and maid servants and, and was an extremely wealthy individual with his own army. Throw that into the mix. But all of a sudden, this, this fellow out of obscurity, this Melchizedek, for the first time we're introduced to him in the Old Testament, comes out of nowhere and he blesses Abraham and then Abraham in turn gives him or tithes unto Melchizedek. Now, what's interesting about this, in the book of Hebrews, if you quickly turn there with me, in Hebrews chapter 7, in verse 7, and if you're uh, prior to and leading up to verse 7, uh, here in Hebrews chapter 7, it has to do with this interesting, curious figure, Melchizedek, and we are told, now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Okay, so now with all of that said, let's go back to our, this picture that's being painted for us of Jacob blessing Pharaoh. You know, when you just at first glance consider the way this whole thing is, is playing out, you would think that Jacob would have been the lesser, right? In contrast, put them alongside of one another. You have the, the, the Pharaoh, the most powerful man upon the face of the earth in all of his splendor, the illustrious Pharaoh, right? The most powerful man upon the face of the earth at that time. And then you have this shepherd, this Jacob, standing there all alone, right? What a picture in contrast. But nevertheless, Jacob lifts up his hands towards heaven and he begins to pray and he offers this blessing upon Pharaoh. And so, interestingly enough, which simply shows that Jacob knew that he was the greater of the two individuals. He had a blessing to give. And what's also interesting here is that Pharaoh accepted it without any protest. Have you ever, how many times have you read this portion of scripture and maybe never even considered that? So why did he accept it? 
well, maybe Pharaoh acknowledged Jacob's right to bless him. I don't know exactly why. Maybe it was his age. And you know how we are when we relate to people who are older than ourselves, and you know, we give them that room, and uh, we acknowledge them as, as being wise, and, and uh, they've lived a lot longer than ourselves. We respect them. We respect our elders as we actually should. But there was something about Jacob. There was a superiority about him that Pharaoh acknowledged and recognized. So obviously, he acknowledged Jacob's right to bless him without any protest whatsoever. Well, anyway, I don't know exactly why he accepted it, but those are some possible explanations. But then this brings us to our third point this morning, and that is this outlook is something that all Christians should have. You say, what am I talking about? Well, think about this. We have more to offer as Christians than anybody. And it doesn't matter how much money you have in your pocket or in your bank account. It doesn't matter what your position is in life or your social register or the advantages that you've enjoyed growing up or your education. Those things really don't matter. Think about it. As a Christian, we have more to offer than anyone else. So therefore, don't be dazzled by the world, its wealth, man's accomplishments, and then just stand there mute when you have the opportunity to share Christ with someone. You see, we have the treasure of the gospel, the knowledge of the true and the living God. You know, Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's the gospel. You see, there's no greater wealth than this. There's no greater good to be done for someone than to introduce them to Christ, that they might secure their eternal destiny, their salvation, and ultimately escape judgment and wrath. So instead of bowing objectively before Pharaoh, as many would under these circumstances, Jacob with hands and arms raised to the heavens without any salutation. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say anything. He doesn't like bow down and, and say, thank you, Pharaoh, for this audience. There's no salutation whatsoever. There's no exchanges like this. The old man just pours out his soul in prayer, asking God to bless the king. You know, it has been suggested, and I can't ver ver verify or validate this, but it has been suggested that because of Joseph's, as well as his dad, Jacob's influence, secretly, Pharaoh had become a believer. But I don't know about that. But he certainly, and what might lend some credence to this belief, is surely Pharaoh is accepting here, isn't he? In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be, oh my When something gets close to an ending, we naturally turn our attention to the beginning. When a child is about to graduate, we look at baby pictures. When a beloved spouse of many years grows close to death, we go over the story of how we met. When we pack up our stuff and move away from a house, we remember the first times we walked in the door. 
And as we draw close to the end of days, it seems only fitting to return to in the beginning. We can watch as light is created in land and sea and all the creatures, day and night in the sun and moon. And when we take a look at the glorious and amazing creation of the world, we can remember that it's the same God from the beginning who is ruling over the end. We can watch in awe, remembering that the end is also good news as we eagerly await His return. And here at In My Father's House, we're so glad you've decided to spend your day with us. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. It's easy to get here with access from Port Authority and Penn Station on 34th. We'd love to see you. Pop over to our website, harvestnyc.org, to find times and so much more. And if you feel compelled to partner with this ministry financially, there's a link for that as well. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. While you're there, take a look around to find additional audio, a link to our Vimeo and podcasts. That's all we have time for today. We've loved spending time with you, and we can't wait to meet up with you again. See you next time here in my father's house.